seriously, are you excited about the Lord of the Rings Amazon series? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't actually click too much on it. Um, I'm but surprised I, you hadn't heard about it before. No, I I saw something come up in social media. I think it was Nerdist mm-hmm. that posted um, that they have some more information on the Lord of the Rings. Minimum series. of five seasons. Holy crap! Yeah, I hope it doesn't suck. It's not supposed to be anything to do with Lord of the Rings, like themselves. It's just in the Tolkien universe. It's in, it's in Middle Earth. It's it's a full a thousand years before. Really? Yeah. That's probably smart on their That's part. Very smart on their part. <laughs> because yeah, because the normal stories are pretty well told. Oh yeah. But I still think you're going to have to put money behind it. Yeah, but they're using a lot of no-name actors so that they don't have to, A, pay a lot, <laughs> yep. and B, so people don't recognize them from other areas, except, um, like, two or three people from, like, Game of Thrones that were kind of small. But I, I've, I've been very impressed with some of the streaming services spending the money that they have. I don't even know how they're possibly turning a profit, but I know a lot of the TV series and movies that, like, Apple TV's putting out is gorgeous. Yeah. But apparently the first two seasons are already filmed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Griffin, I don't know what button to press. Ooh, I nailed it. We're back once again for the Lighthouse IT Solutions podcast, renamed affectionately to Cage Match. The only place where you can get Nicholas Cage news and reviews. You think Nicolas Cage could get into the Lord of the Rings Amazon series? It'd be pretty sweet. Oh my gosh. I know. I still haven't seen Win- Willy's Wonderland. I we are either. now three episodes, of which we were sick. Well, I was sick. Mm-hmm. And so it's been what? it's It, it came out, did, did it come in in January or the beginning of February? It was beginning of February, I'm pretty sure. But either, yeah, it's February 12th. But either way, it's been S- quite a few weeks and neither of us have seen it. Still haven't seen that movie. But it's been like twenty bucks for a while. This is this is where I'm at. This is this new thing that production companies are doing, and I get what they're doing. And yes, there's value, but in my head, there isn't mm-hmm. because Disney's doing the same thing. Um, uh, I think it's called uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. It's a new animated movie that came out that looks gorgeous and phenomenal, but these people. You have to subscribe to Disney Plus first and then pay for a uh, premiere access token of $30 to watch this movie at home. That's up there. (laughs) So, yeah, I get it. Like, I got in on the ground floor of Disney Plus. It's sweet. Um, I wouldn't get rid of it anyways. I have it. It's not like it affects me, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But if I was going to pay $30 for something that I rent, and I, I guess I get if you were to go to theaters and you have a kid, You're worst case 30. for us, worst case scenario, your kid doesn't like popcorn or doesn't want candy, which is crap. They're going to try. Mm-hmm. And two, you know, basically two tickets, you're at $21. If you have five kids, then you probably haven't seen a movie in decades. <laughs> But it just it just kind of kills me because I feel like it would be a different story if the if the theaters were also helping, or, or sorry, the production companies were helping the theaters. But no, this is just they are getting they're getting paid. Yeah. 
and that that kind of bothers me. Um, I, I really want to get to a spot where I can go into the theater, but admittedly, there's no movies to go see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like some animation stuff happening and all the thing in the background, but nothing. Um, not cool. not even on the docket uh, pro, for for today's podcast. But did you see? Um, I always wanted there to be one in Toledo. Um, in fact, it's the only time a national chain has ever tweeted me back. Um, is I really wanted there to be an Alamo draft house. Oh, yeah. And um, they declared bankruptcy. They're closing down, I think. Well, food and movies, that's not exactly COVID safe. No. And there's been no movies, and there's not really a reason to go and get to go. Like, I've heard the food's good, and it's a beer place. So, I mean, if that place was in Ohio, they would be locked down upon lockdown. Yeah. Um, And and I believe it's the whole chain. I believe they're... Mm. All, many of them are closing. One something like that opened up in where I grew up, but not um, after I left, obviously. But not an Alamo Draft House, but it was beer, food, and movies, and it was, it, they just took over like an old, you know, movie theater. But yeah, that lasted like three months. Yeah, <laughs> and that wasn't even COVID. <laughs> yeah, AMC's doing it. It, uh, it is doing it, um, but the closest one to us is, I think, Columbus. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so just a really sad state um, of affairs. But uh, I guess that's not really what we're here for. We're really here to talk about technology. Um, but uh, but it's just sad. It's just guys. Movies are technology. <laughs> movies movies are my life. Um, outside of outside of tech, I love tech, but but movies are my life. And this this selfishly, this pandemic has been hard on my favorite thing, and it kills me. You know. Because at the top, you see produ- you know these these media companies. They've got a way to fight, but the theaters are at an absolute loss, mm-hmm. and um, it makes me so sad. Um, I, I really hope they can weather it, and and they're at the mercy of the movie companies, the movie studios, to begin releasing those movies. But they want the big epic return, yeah. so they're saving all the good movies because. If you remember, we were supposed to get another Captain Marvel. Um, we were supposed to get um, Black Widow's movie. I mean, I think these people are making a smart decision waiting, though, because the most money that they're going to make is in the opening weekend. Yeah, and I do. I do. Got to have people. I understand. To get there. Yeah. Um, there's that Ryan Reynolds movie I think is absolutely charming called uh, Free Guy. Yeah, that's not, um, it's not out. <laughs> that's not even like scheduled, I don't think. No, it, it was supposed to be rescheduled for November. Mm, no, yeah, it's May 21st. Yeah, well, I mean, like, November of last year. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think it had a date still, but it does now, so. So, hopefully, um, hopefully those all come out. So, from one de- depressing area of news, Griff, <laughs> to another depressing area of news. Oh, gosh, is this ransomware or something? It's probably... Um. Yes, but it's it's um, it's worse. Oh. Well, not worse. Ransomware is bad. Um, Ransomware is pretty bad. <clears throat> but it, usually we highlight a company. What happens if there were hundreds of thousands of companies oh. that were affected? Um, and that's just what happened recently. Uh, so Microsoft, out of a patch Tuesday, uh, out of a normal cycle. So we always call Tuesdays patch Tuesdays. Um, 
when you're in the biz. In the biz. But when you're in the biz, Tuesday morning is when Microsoft typically releases all of their updates. They do this together, one, so that you can schedule them, you can approve them. There's some consistency there. Um, but in rare instances, they will release out of cycle, and that's exactly what has happened here. Microsoft's on-premise email platform called Exchange, which powers a significant chunk of the world. Uh, its technology is also used in Microsoft 365 for the email product they deliver. Um, but as we understand, is not affected uh, because Exchange Online or th Microsoft 365 is very often sort of the initial ground. Everything gets pre-released there. They, they constantly are doing updates and what have you. Um, but but the on-premise, if you host your own email and it's on Exchange, you are you are affected uh, affected by this. That is how bad really? this exploit is. The group Hafnium is yeah. So Microsoft uses this name um, to to denote a very specific gang of cyber criminals. Um, they operate out of China and actually are believed to be state-sponsored. Um, some articles may share, share that with you, but, but there is belief that Hafnium operates as a state-sponsored um, uh, organization, as a, effectively a cyber-terrorist organization. Um, they use cloud services that are based out of the U.S. to host their environments and have been infecting um, computers using this exploit. As I mentioned, normally we wait till Tuesday to get these updates, but they are so impactful that Microsoft last week released them, I think, on a Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, and really recommended to uh, everyone, you do this now. There is, and immediately check for infiltration. What is happening is, is so Exchange has a whole internet-facing feature so that your phones can get it, or maybe you, you host, you know, webmail. Mm -hmm. um, this this exploit allows them to effectively write what they call a web shell. It can write back and create an engine in which later on attackers can connect to that shell and run stuff as a local system account. Wow. Which, um, for all intents and purposes, is the master key to a building. Um, you can do whatever you want. So these, um, these zero-day bugs will get you access to the server, allow you to implant malware. You can connect to other devices, you know. So a lot of them are, say, installing, let's say, you know, a Lua script engine or Perl or Ruby, whatever. They install uh, effectively a scripting engine that they can connect to and program it. And from there, they can have that server do whatever they want as if they had console access. Um, worse, I think, you know, as we said at the top of the, the segment, is that this has been in use for an Un unknown amount of time oh. that Hafnium has been exploiting this. They believe there's banks, health cares, um, even just three-person companies if you're running Exchange. Yeah. They are just out there scanning to see if you're running the Exchange web services. And if you are, they drop the web shell and they know it sits there. Wow. 
they've spent so much time building trust with everyone and you know hey we're the best of the best professional enterprise grade this is a big one yeah this is going to really hurt them this is a big one now they they still maintain that Microsoft 365 was not affected. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't say how, and you know, and a lot of times security like that they they won't tell you. Um, well, it's you know, safe for everybody to not know. Yeah, yeah. Way. Like we put out a notice because we we're doing some stuff um, uh, a Friday, mm-hmm. and you know we could tell the clients every single server that's affected, but then they know our client, then they know our server environment. Yeah. If that gets forwarded and out of hand, then we have a bigger issue. Yeah. <laughs> now the good news, again, I come back to, you know, we are a cloud, um, uh, f- we're a cloud thinking company. We do try to focus on on-prem when it makes sense, but we also know that the cloud has a lot of value to it. Yeah. And so says it anywhere. It's great. You know, the beautiful thing is, is we largely have no exchange uh, installs, but there are people who still run it Um, and and their businesses of all sizes Um, in our networking group uh, that we have. It has been astonishing to see the reports come back that say, yep, we had a web shell dropped. Wow. Like, how crazy is that? Here it is, you know, and and it it isn't choosy what they did. Um, Mm. Now, of course, if they were to get found, the servers do get shut down, but all you need is really an American credit card, and you just spin up another instance someplace else. Yeah. So it's it's really darn near impossible to uh, to combat. So yeah, if you're running Exchange um, and you don't do business with us, we've already reached out to all of our clients and took care of anybody who was affected. Um, get that done, get that done. <laughs> now. Uh, what are you doing? Hit pause. We'll still be here. We'll wait. <laughs> So anyway, um, let's move on to more bad news. Oh, I just got done saying, Griff, how we are a very cloud-focused and cloud-thinking company. And, um, you know, in the past, we've already talked about how Amazon shut down Parler. And Mm -hmm. is that an overstep or an overreach? Did they really violate any policy? What happened there? Now we go to the other end. And um, the largest cloud hosting provider in Europe, their Strasbourg uh, data center, uh, specifically starting, you know, usually these data centers are one giant property and then div- divvied up because of how expensive they are to build. But data center SBG2 um, for OVH Cloud caught fire, oh, um, which would be, I think, uh, for us Thursday morning. So like a physical disaster, <laughs> not necessarily a hack or anything, huh? Quite literally, physical disaster, caught fire, erupted, and basically eradicated oh. SBG2. Now, Mary said, usually from a property standpoint, yes, they're separated, but because the fire was so huge... Damaged other parts? So the fire was so intense that it did actually start to catch fire and do damage to SBG1, which was adjacent. Wow. Um, luckily, by this point in time, firefighters got on the scenes. SBG3 and 4, which were in close proximity of SBG2, the, the firefighters and emergency personnel were able to isolate off nice. and um, Probably to prevent down. that. Yeah. yeah. Now, to tell you how automated these data centers are, nobody was injured. Not anyone of the people who are working there. Yeah, because there's like, what, one or two people working there? Three. Three people working there? <laughs> yeah. There's this giant data center 
everything is so automated mm-hmm. that yeah, three three the three people who were on duty at the time weren't injured. And and I say that one to say I'm really glad that nobody got hurt, but two to illustrate just how incredibly automated these data centers are is yeah. that three people can manage what is probably thousands of customers yeah. in one geographic location. Thousands. Yeah. So uh the founder of OVH Cloud said that, put out a notice to their clients that basically said uh, to all of our customers, begin implementing your continuity protocols now. Wow. Saying that it is in all likelihood, all data in SBG2 is lost. Wow. And that they are not sure of the data impact to one, three, and four. Mm. Um, SBG three and four, because they're still fighting this massive fire and trying to figure things out, they're shut down. Yeah. <laughs> so all four of these data centers that share property are offline as of today. So um, hopefully coming online soon, but uh, yeah, it's it's awful. Um, but it does go to say, and we talked about being cloud thinking, right? There are misconceptions about the cloud. And I think that's really important that people understand that the the cloud is great because it is a hosted infrastructure, but you need to treat it as a hosted infrastructure. Yes, it is a public service effectively, but you do not assume anything. They aren't doing anything for you. You have to, apart from giving you resources yeah probably the biggest one is that oh it's in the cloud it's in this massive data center it means my data is backed up no Mm. and that's what a lot of businesses who fell for this misconception are going to wake up to today yeah now you can pay additional money and you can have geographically redundant services and they will ship it back and forth and if you're paying for that right now you're you're probably in good shape but most people who are looking to the cloud may be looking at costs and won't choose that. Yeah. Or you're hosting just one or two servers. Um, so it's not geographically redundant natively. You have to pay for that. There's also no backups. Um, they don't do that. They're not in charge of that. Your data and your services, your applications, your that's you. That's yeah. on you. Assume you're the backup or the Again, cloud is- Just as if you were to host that infrastructure on-premise, you're responsible for the business continuity plan. So, yeah, that's the kind of the first two major misconceptions is that your data is natively redundant. Um, There's a lot of redundancy within the individual hardware, but it is not data center redundant. That would be very expensive. So business, there's probably some businesses that are going under now because of this. You know, hopefully not. Hopefully everybody knows this. Um, You know, the final sort of thing that I always say is everybody thinks that the cloud is natively secure. Um, That's not true either. You create the applications. They give you the resources and host it. Mm -hmm. If you configure something incorrectly, you've made yourself vulnerable. So really some disappointing news one for OVH Cloud because they were getting ready to IPO. It was their desire, European organization, so they would be IPO. They would IPO not in in, in the U.S., but uh, I think it's Paris. Um, they were getting they were getting ready to become a publicly traded company uh, very soon. 
And so this is this is probably a massive hit to that, yeah. um, at least for their initial stock. But um, it's a, it's also a massive hit to all of those clients, and it's a you know that data center SBG two is destroyed. So I can only imagine it's going to be a long time before that's all repaired. Yeah. So what does OVH have to do? Hopefully they got some good insurance. <laughs> cool. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine fire is probably one of their top, you know. Well, you have to be you have to be real careful with electronic. Uh, it, it is surprising to me um, because they usually have um, a very specific. There's like a dry chemical that you have to use with electronics to prevent major damage. Mm-hmm. Something. I, I wonder how it got out of control. Like what happened? Because those systems, I, I've been in some data centers, and. Um, there is usually sprinkler systems about every other rack, mm-hmm. but like the dry chem, yeah, yeah. so they can completely isolate. There's these; they'll separate them into zones, and the moment that zone fires, it shoots the the chem, uh, the dry chem onto the equipment. Could have been failure of that system, though. That system could have failed. Yeah. Could have started someplace where there's not a zone. I, I have no idea. I'm sure we'll find out as as uh, as investigation continues. Obviously, right now. Their concern is making sure the fire is out. So heavy hitting, very depressing. But I don't think that any of this should dissuade people from looking at the cloud. The biggest thing is, though, is you need to treat your cloud resources no differently than you would treat an on-premise. Now, the nice thing is, is that there is a lot of highly available solutions in the cloud that make it very easy. You know, but migrating to the cloud is not simple, and sometimes it's not even that complex. You just have to think it through. And so don't be afraid about the cloud, but don't don't forget about having disaster recovery protocols. I'm sure there are a number of small businesses that run cloud. Um, I, uh, interestingly enough, um, you know, we, we actually, I actually was investigating using OVH for some services. Um, and not that that would dissuade me today, you know, things happen, whatever. Um, and we would still have backups and whatnot in place. Probably wouldn't have been that location either, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, Strasburg would be one that probably wouldn't be the first one that I picked. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, transition from the super dark to really maybe just programmer shaming. Uh, this is kind of fun. I was reading an article, Griff, that, um, that a guy received. He's, he's a journalist named Liam. Okay. Yeah, no, no. Um, does he have a certain set of skills? <laughs> Liam probably does have a certain set of skills, um, although according to a text message he received from the British government, which is not surprising, uh, in addition to being a journalist, Liam is uh, a British uh, citizen. Um, and and he'll even say jokingly, uh, especially in light of, of recent situations, that may be a bit chunky, um, but but his special skills may also include being um, the world's fattest man, according to the UK government. <laughs> you see... Um, How does that work? <laughs> yeah, so the British government is notifying people of their eligibility to receive the COVID-19 vaccine through text messaging. It's genius. Love it. Based on weight? Great idea. Based on whatever your health factors are or whatever your range is. So, um, 
Liam, interestingly enough, received recently a text message from the UK government saying, um, we recommend and you are now eligible to receive your vaccine due to your excessive weight. You know, he took it well on the chin. He thought, yeah, I'm a little chubby, but um, I don't know about excessive. And, you know, you see, a, off, yeah, you see a photo <laughs> of him and, and he's not. Um, he, he's pretty, you know, I'd say average size. Um, but, um, well, it turns out that for him, at least in the terms of calculating excessive weight for eligible vaccine, uh, I guess, desires, they're using BMI, which, you know, is a very polarizing topic in and of itself. Yeah. Um, because we continue to use it in the 21st century, and BMI is used to calculate obesity based on the volume of a cube. I don't understand that because, I mean, you have to consider like muscle mass, bone density, like all these different factors that BMI can't even understand. <laughs> yes, and I can understand you calculating based on volume. Mm -hmm. However, BMI is a calculation based off of a cube. Yeah. What? Not the best system. <laughs> that is a rant for another day. However... Because of a clerical error, and yes, I understand that we're going to, this isn't 100% a calculation error. Calculations were right. But due to a clerical error, Liam's BMI came back at a staggering and very impossible 28,000. Oh. Um, for those not quite on the up and up with BMI, like I know 25 or something. Yeah, you're like I think your dad's a big health nut and so you're probably yeah. maybe familiar with some of these terms. It's what is it? It's just pretty much taking your height divided by your weight or something like that. Yeah, it's height height weight and then you uh, are supposed to be between like 18 and 25 for being like Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, um, I'm probably like 28, so I'm I'm a lot closer to 28,000 than probably 25, but <laughs> the reality is that there's only two people on record who are more than 200. Oh, man. So we know that there's the second fattest guy in the world. Still has uh, thousands is, to go. <laughs> is not even close to 28. So what was 1,000? What was the clerical error that made 28,000 the calculation? So what result? happened is that when the person was entering Liam's height, well, Liam's actually a pretty uh pretty tall guy i guess you know he's above average in size he's six foot two inches okay <coughs> did they not separate the feet versus the inches so well so what they did is they put 6.2 which by the way people that's wrong yeah that's not how you do that anyway that's not it's not 6.2 it's not for the metric system i guess you for the metric that. system that might work but when they asked him his height he said 6.2 so the, or six feet two inches mm -hmm. so they put 6.2 you already mentioned feet is a base 12, but yeah. whatever. Um, so it wouldn't work there. Um, but the field was actually looking for centimeters. Oh, so he's six centimeters tall. <laughs> so he's a little over six centimeters tall, That's, according to the person entered it. With his weight being that, you know, probably two. His weight was entered normally, so oh. even if you put in, you know, 170 pounds. Yeah, that would, that would make a 170 pound, pound person as a six centimeter cube. Because of BMI, yeah, is uh, is large. Huh. Well, he can at least submit that to the Guinness Book World Records, and uh, you might as well get something out of it, something right? Out of it, yeah, absolutely. But here's what's crazy about this: this means that 
Nobody's doing any data validation to make sure that these calculations, you would think that somebody would say, okay, if you put 6.2 into a height field and I'm expecting centimeters, nobody... Nobody's that small. It's impossible. You'd still be in the womb. Yeah. Like, and you're probably not that worried about COVID if you're still in the womb. Yeah. <laughs> right? You're, you're, you're not, you don't even have a phone. <laughs> Phone's bigger than you. The phone is bigger than you. <laughs> so, uh, so there's one data check is that when the, the cleric, when, when the clerical entry was made, uh, the, nobody bothered to say, hey, let's take a look at what an average range would be. And, and and present an error that says, hey, are you sure this guy's only 6.2 centimeters? Yeah. So that's that's issue one. Or at least so a warning or something. for Issue two would be if a BMI, and we know that the, the, the top end is typically 200, why was there not an additional check or some type of flag that says, if we calculate this to be greater than 200 or 250, let's throw up a, a red flag to make sure. Nope, just all got approved in there. Wow. So Liam, um, he did he did kind of make things right and and told him, you know, I appreciate it. I'd love to get to the head of the line, but uh, I'm I'm I shouldn't be eligible. Um, as you can clearly see, I'm not six six centimeters tall because um, you're looking up to me. Jeez, uh, crazy. So so yeah. So this is what happens when you rush programming and you don't do proper testing. Um, you get a 6.2 centimeter man who's trying to get get a vaccine for COVID because he has a BMI of 28,000. And I, I hope that most of this is due to the fact that they're rushing vaccines out and stuff, which is good, but, like, man. How crazy that, that Well, I mean, crazy. they wrote this beautiful program to allow you to do this, but nobody's using their head. Yeah. Everybody's rushing. I mean, worst-case scenario is that guy is eligible for the vaccine early, which, you know. Someone else probably could use it. But somebody more. else probably could but, use it. Yeah. He's taking up one of those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jeez, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Well, what do you do? What do, you do? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I guess, covers everything that we have over in the tech news. Yeah. Um, I mean, apart from, you know, Lord of the Rings. Of course. Uh, as, as an Amazon series. I didn't know if that fits in the tech because it is kind of taking place in a parallel universe where they really they don't have cloud servers but they have wizards who can make clouds so i guess probably yeah i don't know for sure but radagast probably he's the brown wizard He'd probably be able to do it he's the wizard of nature so yeah well uh, <laughs> how's that their marketing news look like griff i'm gonna toss it over to you because i'm really curious what's been going on um in the marketing side att and t-mobile are actually both doing a and t-mobile this is gonna be a great article yeah. isn't it when when phone companies get together what can possibly <laughs> what go can wrong possibly go wrong they're actually doing something interesting though they are <laughs> banning within their their um uh companies the use of short codes so basically, like, you know how you when you get a uh, text message that's a little bit more marketing focused and it's like a five digit number that you get text nine, three, five, one, one, four or something, whatever. Well, it's, it's the number that it, it's coming from, though, like specifically. That's the little short code. When PetSmart, who sends me an email, they can't figure PetSmart. out how to take care of my credit card mm -hmm. so I can buy online. But they sure figured out how to text me three times a day yeah. to tell me that dog food, of which I have a cat. <laughs> Is on sale today. Yeah, that's a uh, yeah. Okay, they're they're banning the use of those though. So theoretically, that means that they have to use a a uh, unique 
number, you know, possibly one that's associated with their actual brand, which is good and bad, but that allows people to maybe block their number completely or, you know, say, hey, PetSmart is in my phone now <laughs> as a contact and I'll always know I'm getting that from them. But this also means that people can't be, you know, finding loopholes and getting around people who have unsubscribed already and that type of thing. So it's got pros and cons, but for the, for the end people, the people who are receiving these texts, kind of all pros. It's kind of nice. Surprised AT&T and T-Mobile are actually doing this. It's funny you bring this up because in addition to banning the short code, so because it's just them two right now. We'll see if people follow suit, but yeah. I'm sure we will mm -hmm. because everybody's going to switch over to the 10-digit codes. Um, but you, you bring this up at a time where now that you say this, I was thinking I had seen um, something from one of our, because obviously, you know, we do phone systems that are IP-based, yeah. and um, uh, our phone system that we sell can do text messaging. Yeah. And um, I'm seeing a lot of stuff in here about what's called 10DLC, which is 10-digit long code. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, which is basically what AT&T and T-Mobile are pushing you to do, right? Yep. You need a 10-digit you need a 10-digit number to do your text messaging um, for uh, for marketing. Um, but uh, it sounds like they are going to be charging, and it's um, AT&T and T-Mobile are regulating text messaging for marketing purposes, interestingly enough, on 10 DLC numbers. Oh, so it's going to be more expensive for people to do so this. So it's more expensive. That's why they're doing it. So now it's we're banning short codes, Huh? Mm. And we're making you use 10-digit long codes, but we're charging a gateway fee. And what's crazy is um, if you're using um, a 10-digit long code, you have to be registered with the carriers, with your number, with uh, like an abuse line. Mm -hmm. And this is to cut down on people buying up numbers and using them for spam. Yeah. So there is a good reason for it. However, anytime you're in non-compliance, you have to pay this gateway fee for the time being. Mm -hmm. um, AT&T started theirs, I think, March 1st. T-Mobile delayed their, their non-compliance fees. But, yeah, that's what that's. Hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's, so it's kind of funny you bring this up. I didn't realize they were nixing short codes. So on the one hand, they're completely. nixing short codes. I think as of June, everything will be completely 10. Yeah, so... so so now you have the 10-digit 10, 10 long codes that are now going to be policed more. Yeah. It's really interesting. I know the other brands are planning on following suit, like Verizon, I believe for sure, but yeah. but they don't have, they haven't published an, mm -hmm. anything from from my side on the 10-digit the long I haven't seen your code. roadmaps or anything. Yeah, like I don't know. If, you know. I just, I'm, I'm paying attention mm -hmm. because one of our SMS carrier is putting out the notifications. And yeah, um, yeah. interesting very crazy oh and it's like five hundred dollars to register or something crazy like that oh. if you want to use it for marketing it's stupid i could be maybe they maybe they ease up on it but yeah to, to file your registration with a 10 digit long code huh i mean transactional stuff has always been a lot easier than marketing for sms so we'll see but i don't think there's ever been like an entry fee like that so yeah yeah <laughs> well another uh quick little story though is um mountain dew Utilizing Bob Ross's image. What? I know. Now, I think they paid and everything for his license and all that jazz, but on their most recent YouTube campaign, they actually made a 42-minute episode where Bob Ross talks about and paints 
a beautiful little mountain with a Mountain Dew bottle in the foreground. <laughs> yeah, he says Mountain Dew often because, I mean, obviously he's been, a, they're using the deep fake technology. Yeah. So they've, they've ingrained uh, the Mountain Dew bottle onto a photo of his and everything that he's painting during a, an actual episode. And uh, they've, he said mountain and do at one point, I'm sure, in his life over the course of how many episodes. So they just mash that together when he's talking. Looks pretty pretty good. Doesn't look awful. Uh, you can look it on YouTube. We'll have it in the resource section. But, I mean, it is pretty obvious about halfway through when he starts doing the close-up of the painting that it's somebody else when they're doing just the close-up. The, like the hand changes a little bit? And I swear to you, it's a different voice uh, during some of these items where like, oh, yeah, now let's get a little bit on the W here and stuff. Like It just doesn't seem like it's Bob Ross, too. So very interesting campaign that they did. They, they um, registered it as a, kind of like a lost episode. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think they did pretty good. I think that's a smart idea. It's just it's a very unique s- way to use the deep fake technology and, and not for, for bad. So my brain might have blocked out you said it's supposed to be a fake episode. Well, it's a lost episode. Is how a lo- saying yeah, it. yeah, but like lost episode, like two or three minutes. Uh, no, it's a full forty-two minute episode because I mean he has these. Yeah, yeah, they do the entire thing. It's nuts. <laughs> so they produced a full episode. A full, well, I mean, it's based on another one. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, just yeah. Faked a, a little Mountain Dew bottle and everything. Yeah, but but normally you'd put. I mean. You know how much work it takes when we do it. We we largely when we do video stuff, it's like three minutes. Oh yeah, this isn't a cheap thing they did. This is a full on. They campaign. they did. They went and they and and yeah. I get it. You know, lighthouse is lighthouse versus Mountain, Mountain Dew. Dew is Pepsi Cola. Mm-hmm. But I still, I mean, I love what I love when they do stuff it's like that. Pretty good. I'm I'm not gonna. It's absurd that you would ever do that, mm-hmm. and that's what I appreciate about them. Yeah. Now, this is a really good example of, um, I think, a, a company who's, if you've ever been on the, the Fellow Kids subreddit, that's a pretty good one. This is a, uh, a joke of, like, companies trying to be cool and they're not. You know, it's the old yeah. guy type thing. Um, but th- this, I think, is a, is a proper amount of, oh, you know, everyone's been enjoying Bob Ross for how many years? You know, mm-hmm. he's never lost any reputation or whatever. So let's utilize his image for our brand, which, you know, has its own little pros and cons. But I think they did a pretty good job here, especially using the deep fake stuff. And it's uh, crazy. There's, there's been a few other instances of deep fake that have not gone well. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, another uh, company who has not, not utilized that fellow kid mentality very well is Burger King for International Women's Day. Uh, so Burger King, and Burger King. I'm okay. You got my attention here. Now, the idea was for them to um, talk about how um, there's a there's a you know a gap in the female working versus male workers uh, for Burger King, and you know why why is it that there's so many more male workers for, for working for Burger King? Uh, they kind of wanted to bring attention to it. Uh, now, this is Burger King UK specifically. Literally, though, um, they posted just a. a a five-word tweet that is, women belong in the kitchen. <laughs> so the second tweet that came after that. What? Yeah. <laughs> the second tweet that came after that is like, uh, because, you know, we don't have very many women in the kitchen working for us. Like, why is that? That shouldn't be a thing or whatever. But no one took that well, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> obviously. I think you, you could have given yourself some wiggle room if you said, um, We'd love more women in our kitchen. Yeah, or something. And then link to an article about the 20%, you know, whatever it is that, that, that they're Because talking it's about. talking about a commercial kitchen. Yeah. You don't say our kitchen. We say the kitchen. Yeah. 
So they follow up again with an apology, basically. It just says, hey, we're here, you. Uh, we got our initial tweet wrong, wrong. We're sorry. Our aim was to draw attention to the fact that only 20% of professional chefs in UK kitchens are women and to help change that by awarding culinary scholarships. We'll do better next time. And everyone's like, what? yeah, but okay, that first tweet, though, got 325,000 likes. They like didn't. A, they, they, aren't, they aren't sorry. They wanted to do it. Yeah. Some company somewhere told them, look, here's the deal. Apology. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what's frustrating is is that sometimes you just need to, you you protect yourself um, and you do it smart, but you can say, purposely say the wrong thing, Mm -hmm. then quote, apologize later, but you've already gotten the viral mentality and everybody's talking about it. I mean, here here we are, we're talking about it. Um, I blame Wendy's on this. They, they started this whole yeah, but fast Wendy's thing. is great. But again, I feel like you could like, say you could just literally say our kitchen and it would have worked and, perfect. And and people would be like, no, you're under you're misunderstanding. They belong in our, our kitchen. kitchen. Here's the link. Yeah. That would have been perfect. But I cannot believe that they just said the kitchen. Well, cool. That's I'm, all I got. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to be back. Um so many of you kind of noticed uh and actually we, we reposted one of our our, our um our previous podcast because well we're seeing a ton of even the news articles and if you remember we've been talking about this for months about this whole um fraud with unemployment and so you may have noticed that of course that's that's because actually i couldn't i didn't have a voice for about a week there so i'm really glad to be back and sitting next to well not next to you we're we're just we're distance (laughs) out a little bit more just uh just because uh covid's still a thing but uh, on a year now, it's it's nice to be back and it's nice to be uh, sitting here doing some recording. So uh, glad to see you guys and glad to talk to everybody out there. Listen, so uh, if you have any questions or you want to know more about anything that we talked about on today's podcast, the easiest way to get there is check out lighthouse.sol.com slash podcast. It'll sort out everything you can find out this podcast and all of the places where we found the news and everything we we track down as well as you can see our previous podcasts check those out give them a listen you'll love them right because you know we talk about nicholas cage most of them we actually we held back we barely talked about we barely talked about them today so that's just because we're going to tease you for the next time but maybe that's because griff and i are both guilty because we haven't watched willie's wonderland yet it's got to pay for it no matter what I hope you stay safe. Appreciate everybody. And, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's get out there. Let's do some cool stuff. All right. Take care.